It's always tough to end one end of summer. Can you believe it's even the end of summer anyway? Um, it's always hard to end one, to, come, to bring one to conclusion. Um, I always have an extremely overflowing, grateful heart at the end of one because I just, um, it's like a journey with a whole lot of people that I love. Some I know well, some of you getting to know better. Um, but it's always just a real joy to do. They go so fast. And um, I think this one, talking to a few of you now and especially yesterday morning as the facilitators, we kind of brought everything to a conclusion. We really came to the point of it's not finished because I don't think the work of James, the book of James in us is finished. Um, you really can't bring this one to conclusion because what's been planted in you this summer, whether you came once, whether you did all your homework or a couple of days or whatever you could do for the summer, whether you came to messages, um, whatever part you could participate in, God's going to bless that. And the Word's been planted, and as we looked at the lesson last week, a valuable crop will come up from it. You can, you can count on that, that whatever he's planted in you this summer, um, you've seen some of it maybe already pop above the ground. Um, I know God's challenged you week to week. It seems like every time a lesson comes around, then you got to go on the field trip um, to see if it, how the promises came about or whether we were going to be able to... Um, you know, look at that situation and draw from the Word and draw from the Spirit to be able to um, watch it unfold. So I want to thank you. I want to thank Sue and Donna for putting the food together every week. Um, my personal favorites are being served tonight. They are. Um, Sue, I don't know if you text. I don't even know how we communicate anymore. I think it was texting. She, she said, our... What was your first text? It was our 190, was that the number? 190 LPCs, enough. LP, yeah, LP, and I thought, 190 LP, what in the world is that? And I said, sounds like, I don't know what I text, something like, was that my first big intellectual question was what? And I think you said lemon poppy seed cookies, and I said, well, that's enough for me. I don't know how many you're going to do for, for everybody else. But then she said, okay, I'll do 100 for you and 90 for the class. And so just, she didn't. Let's pray. Yes, she did. Let's pray. Uh, God, we just um, come before you tonight in, with, with humble hearts, with humble and hearts full of gratitude for um, what we hold in our hands. And it is a treasure that we can even hold 66 books of your word in our hands um, and how rich we are that we can read it and that we even have one. Uh, it, it just reminds me of places all over the world where having a page of scripture is overwhelming to believers. Places still in our world where Bibles are passed around because you can't own one or you can't have one and it's dangerous to get together and study one and talk about one. And We've come so freely week to week with 
different translations and I've got a precious one tonight that couldn't find her, so she's got her pink translation. <laughs> you know, she's got her pink Bible with her. Um, but God, just thank you so much, gracing us so much with your word. It's mercy that we even hold this. And um, we're grateful, very, very grateful that we have it. Um, I thank you that your spirit has been implanted within us. He dwells in us. He is so active in us. And so many rich seeds have been sown this summer. And I pray that for the course of every life in here, that a valuable, valuable crop will arise. And ultimately what that will do in the terminology of our last day of study this week is that living stones will be added to the spiritual household because of what we've gained here, because we will be able to, with mercy and compassion, reach others, that we will be able to, by the compelling love of Jesus Christ, be able to reach out to those who don't know you. And um, that we are effective in our families, we are effective in our communities, and certainly that we want to be effective globally. Um, nothing is impossible with you. And uh, I thank you. Thank you that as we come to the conclusion of this book of your word, that it is a two verses, God, that I think are extraordinarily difficult to navigate and impossible to do without your spirit, impossible to do without your spirit. These are words that I think are, no one is exempt from them and that we all are probably in situations that specifically apply to them. So as I have week to week, Father, I ask your spirit not only to take my words, use your scripture, to penetrate our hearts and our minds, to, to show us and give us discernment that we're asking for the wisdom to understand these verses and to apply these verses because they are so relevant today. They're very relevant today. And so Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and fill us with mercy and compassion and love, wisdom, discernment, conviction. We're going to praise you for all the things that come about and give you all the glory for the transformation that you have accomplished this summer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I literally... Um, these la we're going we're gonna to take a look at the last two verses of the book of James. And if you compare all of the endings of every New Testament book, I don't know if you've ever done that before, if you just go through and read like the first couple of verses of every New Testament book or the last couple of verses of every New Testament book, it's a really interesting kind of thing and, to compare and to look at. 
And when you think about openings and closings of something, if you've ever written a letter, of course, at this point, we're talking about emails and text and whatever. But in writing something, obviously, the beginning and the ending um, is very significant. And it's almost like when I get to the place in the way the NIV and the way my Bible is written and the way the, just the page layout, nothing about translation, just the way the page layout, I remember coming to it and each time I do it, I get to those last two verses and I'm thinking, where's the rest of it? Because it just seems to end so bluntly. It's just, it's blunt. Of course, James, I think if we could call him, he's James the Blunt to me. He's like, you know, I don't know about coffee with James. I, I don't know because he's just, too, he's just to the point. But it's almost like he comes down to this last words and, of course, inspired by the Spirit, and this is the last of it. And it's like, well, there, there's got to be a nice ending to this, but it's not. It, it, and it is, it's a good ending, but it's just to me, it just seems so abrupt but put into the entire context of the book of James and where we've been studying, it makes perfect sense in many ways to me. And it makes perfect sense because I think for me this summer in many, many volumes of ways that this is applied to my life this summer, it has added such a, an element of richness again to the early church to those days and weeks and years um, when the church was born and what it went through with Jewish heritage um, and how it began to grow and how it moved and how God, how the Spirit just uh, formed the church and united the church and then grew the church. And then, of course, we're the, the legacy of this. We are a direct um, result of these early days that we're talking about here. So when we get to this, these final two verses, um, I don't think that any of us, no one, no one can look at these two verses and say, I, you know, this is just never going to apply or it doesn't apply to me because it does. And, I, and I'm almost thinking that these two verses are going to address, and I'll be so bold to say, probably the most difficult situations in your life because what it has to do with are relationships. And I don't know of anything else that can get any more difficult than relationships. <laughs> I, I mean, am I, am I just kind of stepping out there? I think, you know, when, you, when, you, when, we're hand, when we're handling relationships and with people, it's just difficult. And so with James, this writing, this early letter to the church, these significant blunt truths one after another after another after another and then we see this one and it comes at the very end and I got to thinking about this early early on as I realized this is what the, the message would be concerned about and I thought this is this is it this really has so much to do with where so many of us are right now because we're in relationships if, if we don't know anybody, if we're not dealing with anybody, then this won't have any application to you. But I just don't know of anybody who this just doesn't apply to. So let's take a look at it. And what I want to say is this, before we take a look at it. We, we're going to look at these scriptures based on scripture. And there, there are going to be numerous relationships that 
will be so specific to this. And then there are going to be others where we're going to look at it and, you know, I always think, you know, I, I don't come here with, and please do not take this in a wrong light at all because we have professional Christian counselors and they are excellent, excellent in our community, excellent. I look at something like this and I almost fear it because I feel so unqualified to even teach it because it begins to really get to deep things. And so we're going to look at it biblically across in many different facets, but yet there's a place where all of us, unless we are trained with that kind of counseling professionalism, where we're going to see where those lines have to be drawn within these relationships. And I think this will begin to make more sense to you. So it's almost, I'm not writing a disclaimer against what we're going to be talking about, but it's like there's a place where even I, there, in relationships, there's a deeper place to go with relationships. Does that make sense at all? So I want you to understand that when we look at this, because there are so many ramifications for these two verses that are so important to understand biblically. So let's take a look at them. It's James 5, verses 19 and 20. And it reads this. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. All right, that's how the book of James ends. And I'm going, okay, where... (laughs) And then I turn over and there's Peter. And it's like, wait a minute, who took out a page? There's got to be more to this. But if you begin to break that down and look at it, then it's obvious that James, the, the obvious context is he's talking again within the church, right? He says, my brothers. And that already puts this in a context of community, of family. And these verses can't be understood unless we take a deep breath And we accept the fact that God intended that the church be a family and that God intended the church to be a community. And what that means is in that family and in that community that not only will there be times that we want out of the family and there will be times when we perhaps want people out of the family, you know? Look, look, you know, look at myself in the mirror some mornings, you know, but it, when, he, when James penned these words, there's an understanding within all of the book of James, but certainly this verse, that to get this is to think about the church as family and community and a very tight community, but one that's loose in that it's all-inclusive. Isn't that something? It's, the only, it's, it's, it's a place where we become very close to one another but not, not so to the point where we forget that it's an all-inclusive place and that it's sort of almost like looking through mesh where it's very tight, but yet bringing others, bringing others, bringing others all the time. So in the context of community, we're looking at this. And it says, if you look at every single word of this, it says, if one of you should wander from the truth. Now, the first point that you're going to fill in on your um, workbook. The first point is this, that anyone can wander from the truth. 
anyone can, which means within the context and within the community of church, that it is possible for any believer to wander from the truth. And it's sort of like it's almost wisdom to know that. It's wisdom to know that at any place and at any time, in any sort of distance of time serving in the church or any position in the church, that your heart, my heart, your mind, my mind can wander from the truth. And that can be a little wander and it can be a big wander. But it's, it's significant to have that kind of wisdom because James is like he's putting it out there that anyone can, has the capability, anyone can become, remember, um, a, a listener and not a doer of the word. We were warned about that in the first chapter. We're warned anyone could become just a listener and not a doer of the word. And it's almost like he's saying anyone can be a walker or anyone can walk, anyone can wander. And what we want to look at here to get a great visual picture of this, and it's listed on your, on your uh, guide, is that when you look into the Greek word um, where we draw the English word planet from, I mean, we literally in English use this Greek word, P-L-A-N-E-T-H-E, and you can just kind of X out the H-E if you want to. And you see the word planet. And that's just not like going, oh, that's kind of cute and neat. That's not how it truly is the Greek word where the English word planet is drawn from. So if we think about that, the definition that in, in the Greek language, it, it would mean some synonyms would be wander. It would mean stray. It would also mean disconnect. Now we're starting to get there, aren't we? It would also mean things like um, to err. It would mean something like um, to detach. So when James was talking about wandering, he was talking about not only detaching, disconnecting, straying from the truth, it's also if anyone would wander, distract, stray away from the community or away from the body. And if you think about it just in visual terms of planets, and I just couldn't get this off my mind. I was just, and it's not that any wandering is less, is less significant than another, but it, if you want to, I just couldn't, think, couldn't help but think about the planets themselves and how some are close to the sun and then how they get, dark, they get more and more away in their orbits, further and further and further away, almost out into black space, it's just kind of this picture of wandering away from the truth where you think you take a step out of orbit and then before you know it, you are, and I, I don't even think Pluto's considered a planet anymore. It wasn't my generation, so I'm going to use planet as the example, but I don't think it is anymore. It's probably some kind of comet or something, I don't know, whatever it is. But if you think about the furthest one away in, in complete darkness, and it was believed by the Greeks and believed by many in the ancient world that there was no attachment of these planets, that they literally were in space, unattached, just sort of straying out there. Isn't that quite a picture of what James is getting to the heart of in these verses? 
So he's saying if any one of you begins to stray or if anyone can begin to detach, anyone can begin to disconnect, and it can be for so many reasons. So we've talked about even some of those things in our, in our time together over the summer. But if we kind of think about that picture in our minds, and there are certainly, again, I want to make this clear as well, because certainly there are non-believers that we want to reach out to, and the principles that you're going to learn tonight, they apply. But I also want us to think about within the body, within the body, because that's certainly very applicable to us, and not to think always in terms outside, but certainly how do we handle these situations within the body of Christ. That's why this becomes so important for us to get a hold of. The second point is this, that God, as we, as we read this verse, as my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, then we see, and someone should bring him back. What we see in point number two is that God watches, God watches for someone willing to bring him or her back. And what I see in that point is the mercy and compassion of the someone. Now, here's where we begin, don't we? Because there's always this, you know, how far do you go? How far do you go? How far do you get into somebody's business? Now are we talking? Yeah, we are. We just, didn't we just say it? How, how far? Well, in the context of community... This is where we begin to understand family and community and what it means to build strong relationships within the body of Christ. Never being exclusive at all. Always being inclusive to those who are coming, those who are new to church. It's, it's not, we don't form tight cliques. We don't form, but we do form tight relationships between one another. Because within that, within those tight relationships, comes the permission to be able to do that. It's built on trust, and it's built on love, and it's built on relationship. And doesn't it take time? Doesn't it take time? Doesn't it take effort? Doesn't it take something of ourselves to do that? Doesn't it take something of ourselves to even give that away? It does. It really does to form community. And it doesn't mean that we're, you've got to know everybody in your body the same way. That's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. But what you begin, what God will do is he'll begin to form those relationships within the body that are that close and that, that tight. Um, because here's the problem. When somebody begins to wander from the truth, they begin, they can, it's, potentially they can feel that they can wander so far that they are completely removed from the mercy and grace of God. I mean, they may know the scriptures. You know what I'm saying? But they feel like they've stepped so far out there in the universe, in the black hole, that they are beyond the mercy and grace of God, and they're certainly beyond the mercy and grace of the church. What do we do? What do we do? They feel like they are out in orbit by themselves. 
And yes, some things are chosen and other and in a deliberate way, whether it's a sinful path or whether it's just a string, just one thing kind of led to another, kind of led to another, and they're just, you know, nothing nothing obvious, but just have moved out. It can be such extremes in both directions, pulling in both directions. Um, and there, as we begin to think about, well, where, where are the lines? Where are the, and, and the word becomes boundaries, doesn't it? Where are the boundaries? And I, it is not to, I had conversations this week that talked about relationships and where are the boundaries within those relationships. You know what I'm talking about? And those are within the deep relationships that you have and some of the toughest boundaries to draw is it not within your own family? Anybody want to say amen to that? Because if they're that or I'm just standing up here just, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out there. I'm hanging out there. But it, is it not? It's the boundaries within our families because if it's relationships, friendships, now within the body of Christ, it's still, it's, it's tough. This is hard. I think this is very difficult territory to navigate. And it becomes extremely difficult when it is family. And it becomes, and I'll take one more step further and go, it's probably the most extreme when it's parent-child. Because it's not, an, it's not an option of just severing from that relationship. You just can't cut it, right? And I know I'm looking at moms, and they're going, there ain't no way to cut that thing. It's just it's not going to happen. So what do you, is there scripture? And that's what I'm talking about. Boundaries within those of us who are not professional to the time when we, what can we do within biblically sound teaching and then the time when it goes to we need to go to another level of professional counseling there's there's both of those things going on and so every relationship different every circumstance different and yet some of the principles remain so much the same and there's two extremes to this thing one is where we draw and this is, this is the point that you're going to fill in, is that when it, there's a caution. And this is the extreme where the, the point, to fill it in, our narcissistic culture makes it easy to twist the concept of boundaries into a practice Jesus didn't even teach. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, that means when it's on that extreme side, when we look at a situation where someone, a brother, in the terms of the family in terms of community, has wandered off, and we just go, my boundary is I don't care. I, you know, I don't, I don't care, or I don't have time. And so we use that as a boundary. And that's just where we, you know, if the shoe fits, you wear it. Where we just think, okay, the boundary will be that I just don't want to. And that's not the boundaries that Christ taught. And the, the caution can be where we're, and, and 2 Timothy talks about it, where it, as time goes and time goes, we just grow more and more. And the caution is that we will grow more and more in love with ourselves, where we're just pushing these tough situations away. Because they're, aren't they messy? They're very, very messy. 
And so the extreme side, the very extreme side of it is to just camouflage selfishness with b saying it's a boundary. And just saying, you know, I just don't have time. But you're saying, well, that's, my, that's a boundary. And, 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 you know, all of this takes the Holy Spirit to discern. It requires you. That's in my prayer. This is impossible. To me, it's impossible to do without the power of the Holy Spirit and without the discernment of the Holy Spirit to look at these situations and even to know in my heart how I'm dealing with it and then what steps can I take. So does that, we're, we're, we're seeing that. All right, that's the caution. That's the caution. Well, what did Jesus teach? What did Jesus teach? Well, we can look at one particular verse, I think, when we look at boundaries and we're talking about how do we step into these difficult relationships when someone has continually strayed or wandered from the truth, not living to what the scriptures, they're calling themselves, remember, we don't judge those who don't call themselves Christ followers. We're talking about those who, who claim to follow Christ and those who have wandered from the truth. In Matthew chapter 5, although this, again, Jesus is speaking to both, both non-believer and believer, but we can, we can certainly draw from this teaching to jump into um, what would be healthy biblical boundaries. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 40 and 40, 40 through 41, the two verses. Mine are like falling apart. Yeah, here it is. Okay, verse 40. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. All right, that's difficult territory. Didn't we just step into some very difficult boundary? Did we not? Because what Jesus is saying, if somebody asks for your shirt, you're just going to give them your coat also. And if someone wants you to go a mile with them, then what Jesus is teaching is the boundary is not one mile, the boundary is two. You do more than. And that's already, you know, you're going, really? That, in that situation, I need to do more than what that person's asking or what I feel that person needs? So don't we already feel and know that it's going to require the Holy Spirit's discernment over that? But what Jesus, that's his boundary. If there's a need and it's this need, then we extend it even greater to provide for. That's, that's the biblical boundary of need. And I think it is as much in a physical way as it would be in any other emotional, spiritual way. That's, that's, that's the standard. And when I look at that, you can look at all the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, where we look at it and we go, love your enemy. You know, we put it into that same perspective where we know that it can't be done without the power of the Spirit. Cannot, cannot be um, even understood and discerned without the Holy Spirit. But that's the biblical boundary of need and of Jesus' teaching. All right, so... I think on your, yes, on your guide, you're going to see a square. And what Beth Moore has done in this message is she's drawn a, what's in the center? I can't even remember. Okay, four solid boundaries. And what we're going to do is fill out four concepts and biblical principles that will draw some boundary around relationships 
um, from the extreme of addictions all the way down to just thinking through those who wander from the truth. How do, where, where do we begin to go biblically to even pray through these things and begin to relate in healthy ways in this type of relationship or in this situation? Is there biblical help? So the first thing we want to see is at the top is that you want to fill in the word, I can't. I can't. All right? Now, we just read Jesus' words, did we not? Where he said, if you're asking for, if someone asks for a cloak or asks for your shirt, you give them your cloak. If, they, if you're asked to go one mile, then you better, he's telling you to go two. And you know you've been in situations where you just can't do it. Now, some of it is literally physical. You just don't have the financial means or you don't, you're, you're obligated within your own families before you can take care of those outside. There are certainly times within unhealthy relationships that you just can't. And it takes the Holy Spirit and it takes community to understand that I can't. Does that mean we let that person continue to wander? No. No. But there's, there's other support ways to bring into that situation. I think one of the greatest things of, to learn from this is that on, in these relationships where it is possible, necessary, whether all information is given that you're bringing along those with you to pray over that situation, whether maybe without even specifics, they don't have to know specifics, but that you're not one-on-one -on -one in many of these very difficult circumstances going at this thing alone. But there will be circumstances where you can't do it. You absolutely cannot do it. Things that we don't have that we can even give. We're just not capable of doing it. We don't have it. All right, the second thing to consider with these boundaries is that, um, is it unauthorized danger? Is it unauthorized danger? And we're going to look at two scriptures in this. And one is found in the book of Philippians. It's Philippians uh, chapter 1. And it's verses 9 and 10. When we're thinking about, and we're going to define this a little clearer, but I want you to see this scripture first. Philippians 1, verse 9 and 10. It reads, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So what we see is, now, what is personally hard to me, and this is sort of me personally, where, where it seems so difficult in these types of relationships is that we're constantly asking the Holy Spirit to give us more love, you know, to love deeper, to love greater, to have more compassion and more mercy, right? I mean, I think this whole summer has even been about that. We want to be doers of mercy. We want to be doers of compassion, we want to be doers of love. We want to have that valuable crop just burst out from us. And yet we can already understand in a, in a relationship boundaries. 
Is there, a, is there a place of boundary? This puts all of this verse begins to put that into a great perspective when at the same time asking, it says, this is my prayer that your love abounds more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. So in these situations where you are in relationships, where someone has wandered from the truth or they are in a very addictive situation or it's just a crash and burn kind of situation, that you're looking at this thing with deep abounding love and, dis and mercy and compassion, but you are also asking and drawing from the Spirit for wisdom and discernment. Does that make sense? They've got to go tandem. Because I think as women, we will put it out there in love and mercy and compassion. And it almost... It, it can, it can be not a help. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Where we, we see in Scripture, driven by love, compelled by love, compelled by mercy, compelled by compassion, and then all of a sudden something happens and we are just smacked down because we think we've done that. And we don't understand where we've loved so hard. And the mercy has just given and given and the compassion has been there. This is an incredible verse of balance. And again, impossible without the Holy Spirit. And I think impossible without the drawing of community around us. It's necessary. So that begins to give us a little bit of definition about unauthorized danger. What this is saying is that love cannot be blind. You know, we hear it all, love is blind, love is, uh-uh. Uh -uh. Biblical love has got your eyes wide open. Eyes completely open. It's a discernment filled by the Spirit. And then it's also a discernment to know that even within the body of Christ, there can be unhealthy people. Now, the church is a place of healing. It's a place of healing. It's a place of restoration. It's a place where you go out and you find the, the ones who have wandered and you bring them back home. It's a place of compassion. And it's a place of mercy. But there are times within the body that there are unhealthy situations that will need more than just your one-on-one. -on -one. It may require others involved. Matthew chapter 8 gives a great, that's a whole nother where you go in, in the confrontation of an issue where you take one-on-one -on -one and then two-to-one and then leadership within the church. There's very clear, compassionate, biblical boundaries for that found in Matthew chapter 8. It's there. It's there. Unauthorized danger can also be... Um, you know, when James is, the book of James talks so much about, um, and, and being very careful because the way is, the word has been so twisted within the context of politics, but of social justice. I mean, you can't read the, the book of James without knowing mercy and compassion in very literal ways to the poor and literal ways to the orphan and to the literal, literal ways of needs all over the globe, needs that are, um, can take believers into very dangerous situations, right? 
but yet we feel compelled and called to do so. And there will be times when the Spirit clearly will say no. Will say no. Paul was told no in several situations not to go. But he was also told, and we had a, a, a situation that we studied this week about when he was leaving Caesarea and he was going to Jerusalem. And remember, he was saying it was, they were, he was told that it would be dangerous to go, but he was compelled to go. If you think about just in a, in not necessarily ones obviously wandering from the truth, but you think about missionaries going into third world countries or into places like Indonesia or China, they're very dangerous places to go. And in prayer and, and in um, and prayer and community, there are those who are compelled to go and you could not stop them from going into dangerous... That's authorized by the Spirit to go. But then there's also unauthorized danger when you use sanctified common sense in situations where you don't go. That's the discernment of the Spirit. Again, situations impossible Situations impossible without being humble before God and asking for the discernment in every one of those situations. So the warning and the, and the compelling by the Spirit of when to be active and when you are to, to not be active. And I would just say this, and maybe somebody needs to know this because you feel like you, you just you slacked out of something and you feel guilty about it, mm-mm, mm-mm. If you prayed about that, and you felt like it, what God was clearly saying no to you, that it was an unauthorized situation, and you, you do not feel guilt. Guilt is only from the devil himself. That does not come from God. And you know you didn't say, well, my boundary was because I didn't care and I didn't have time. Now, you can't throw that one off. It's got to be that clear place where you prayed about it, you even felt compelled, but there was just something you knew the Spirit was saying no. Just two different things going on, and it's just it's knowing the, the motivation of the heart, that you didn't say no because, it, well, you know, I'm just going to pass that off as I don't care, I don't have time, versus a clear Holy Spirit's understanding and discernment of going no. You don't go into that relationship. You don't go into that situation. It's one of the great illustrations of... Um, I think in youth ministry particularly, I remember seeing it the first time a long time ago, and it's when somebody's standing up on a, on a platform, and it's a whole lot easier to pull somebody down with you than it is to pull somebody up. It's going to require a whole lot more to pull that person up than it does for one person to pull you down. Wisdom. Wisdom in that kind of relationship and especially if you feel like it's a toxic relationship. You've got to know. You've got to depend on the Spirit to be able to discern that. All right? The third point, the third, as we're moving around this, this block of boundaries, the third one, and I believe you may have, George, put the third one. Yeah, my help doesn't help. I think that actually fits, as I was looking at the printout, that is over on the left-hand side on the left-hand side of the block, instead of coming completely clockwise. My help doesn't help. That's the classic codependency. That's classic codependency. When you realize that what you are trying to do is keeping that person in the same orbit, 
you're keeping that person in the same position of wandering, of, of straying. It's not helping to bring them back to a healthy place. When you realize that your help isn't helping, that's the time to stop helping. And it may be in just a situation that is clearly over your head. And that's what we're talking about, professional places. Now, you cannot, you are not the Holy Spirit. Anybody need to know that? (laughs) You are not the Holy Spirit. And you cannot compel. And you cannot force. And there are clear situations when Jesus would ask, do you want to get well? There was a man of 38 years. What did Jesus ask him? He said, do you want to get well? The fact of the matter is, even within the body of Christ, there are those until the Holy Spirit does otherwise, they choose not to get well. Isn't that difficult? It's hard. It's hard. Does that mean the body of Christ does not love them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. See, I think this is difficult scripture. I think these last two verses are some of the toughest things to navigate because we want to see a fix and we want to see it now. We do. And and we can look at that person that we love. We would die for them. And we, we can't fix it. We can't fix it. And could I say, we just don't like it? You know, we just, we just don't like it. But it is wise to know when your help's not helping. It's wise to know and to realize that. And then to begin to, again, go back to community in prayer and seeking, okay, next step different step. My help isn't helping. And if your help is keeping them where they are, then it's time to do something different. It's totally time to do something different. All right, the next boundary. We've looked at boundaries that you simply can't. There's a boundary where it's unauthorized danger for you in situations. There's the boundary of when your help just doesn't help. And then finally, there's the boundary of when it's wrong. When it's wrong. In other words, you can't go out there and circle in the darkness with them. That's not helping. It's not about covering up their sin, is it? That's not it. You certainly are not going to go out and... You want to go and retrieve, but you don't go out to wander with them. You don't begin to go out to wonder and approve of what they are doing or justify. It's a tough one. It's a tough situation. And it's a tough confrontational one many, many times. And it does it not, I go back, it requires the Holy Spirit, the discernment that he can give us. Sometimes it's just, we do not want to wonder with them. Do not detach with them. You're holding on to community the entire time. If that, if someone asks you to wander with them, the answer is no. The answer is no. 
Does that mean, again, no mercy, no compassion, no love? No. This is difficult. <laughs> this is difficult. But is it impossible? No. No. But just to see, I look at this in Scripture and I'm blown away that James was dealing with it in the church then as we deal with it today. And the biblical boundaries that we can look at and that we can pray through. And I truly believe in looking at those four things along with the caution that we can begin to really draw some very significant truth from in very practical ways in situations and relationships you find yourself in now. I know I can. I know I can. We're mercy and compassion and love, and yet the goal of that is restoration and wholeness and healing. It's not enablement. It's not allowing that person to just wander and stray. But the bottom line is I was thinking and looking and, and, and just meditating on the whole message was just deep down in there is the concept of community. That's the way it works. That's really the only way this does work is the biblical foundation of what the church is meant to be as a spiritual household and a family members where you don't go and you cover up the darkness. You don't cast it up. Do you throw out all the details? No, no. But you're not afraid to come forth for help with, if something's going on in the family. You're not, you're not ashamed of it. And I, without any, any specifics whatsoever, but I can remember years ago, somebody coming forth with something that was with going on within a relationship and a family that was very difficult, very difficult for them, but they chose light over darkness. And they chose not detail, but they chose requests for prayer to say that we're not going to be ashamed of this, but we need some help in this. We need prayer. We need people to stand with us, to pray for wisdom in this situation, to know that this is a tough spot. That's wisdom. That's what the community of, of the body of Christ is all about in these very difficult places and relationships. It's, it's, I don't, there's just, it, it touches all of us. In conclusion, a couple of points in conclusion. In Nehemiah uh, 9, chapter 9, verses 20 through 22, it's printed on page 213. You'll see the fill-ins on the screen. But this is from the translation of the message. So, so what do we do with this? Where we have an extreme of, I don't care, you know, it's a mess, I'm just going to let it go, versus how do we navigate biblical boundaries? From Nehemiah 9, verse 22, 20 through 22 from the message, it reads, You gave them your good spirit to teach them to live wisely. You never stinted with your manna, gave them plenty of water to drink. Now, this is God who is giving graciously, mercifully, full of compassion to his people who rebelled against him. One, literally, wanderers in the desert. And what did God do? He supplied their needs. They never went without food. 
They never went without manna. Their, their sandals did not wear out. So again, we see a biblical boundary looking at God as the perfection of mercy and compassion. This is the standard. When, when his people literally planets in the desert, straying from the truth, he said, you never stopped with your manna. You never stopped giving. You gave them plenty of water to drink. You supported them 40 years. Some of you have been supporting for 40 years in some situations that are so difficult, so hard, and you have tried to walk a line of discernment every single day in a situation like this. Where am I enabling? Where do I not? Am I helping? Am I not? Do I give? Do I not? Do I withhold? What, is the, what do I do in this situation? What steps do I take? It's in community, and it's in prayer, and in the power of the Spirit. You supported them for 40 years in the desert. They had everything they needed. Their clothes didn't wear out, and their feet never blistered. You gave them kingdoms and peoples, establishing generous boundaries. Mercy doesn't stop. It triumphs. Love doesn't stop, it conquers. Compassion, because any one of us can wander from the truth. Any one of us. It's not a place to throw a stone, is it? It's not a place to throw a stone. It's a place to throw your heart and to pull that planet in. Pull that planet in. Third point, final point, is anyone plus someone equals a win for everyone. Anyone who is wandering, a someone or someone's willing equals a win all the way around. all the way around, where the body of Christ reflects the discipline of God, reflects the principles and the truth of God, yet reflects the love and the mercy and the compassion. They don't have to be separate. They don't have to be two different things. They merge together as we see the character of God you think about that, isn't that such a fitting ending to the book of James? He was a wanderer himself. Before he believed, remember he was the skeptic. He was the scoffer. He was the mocker. I think he understood this in quite, because remember in first. We started this whole thing out in 1 Corinthians. Remember when it talks about when Jesus appeared to James and we had some time to think about what that might have looked at. We don't get a lot of detail about it, but we can just imagine that moment when Jesus appeared after the resurrection to his brother, James. I just think James 
was humbled beyond belief by the mercy of his brother. All that he had said, all that he had done, the darkness he had wandered in, and then the mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ to bring him back. A fitting conclusion to this book. And a fitting principles for us to think about within the body and to apply in those relationships all around us, all around us. How do we navigate it? What do we do? Where are the boundaries? What's God's, what is God asking of us? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. In relationships that seem to not change, forgive us of our unbelief. Because God, you can do anything in the impossible situations of hearts that we don't see change, in minds that we don't see change, in behaviors that we're not seeing change, that God, I pray that we will take our eyes off of that situation and put them clearly on you, that our strength is in you, and that we will wait on you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you promised the discernment. You promised to give us wisdom. I pray that you have done that tonight. That it has been an immediate understanding of some situations and relationships. I pray that you have relieved guilt. I pray that you've removed shame. I pray that you've removed perhaps even judgment. I pray that you have given us insight, mercy, compassion, wisdom, scriptural boundaries, not to enable, but to restore. To always know that is the goal, to restore and to bring back to full health and relationship to you. Difficult situations, but an abounding, gracious God you are. Thank you for our, our time. It comes to a conclusion. We know we won't pass this way again as a group. We've studied together. We've eaten together. We've laughed together. We've looked at some very difficult things. But God, you have given us wisdom. We're flooded by your mercy. We're flooded by your grace and your compassion. We want to be doers of that. In Jesus' name, amen.